and welcome to Open School of Business. Today, I have a pleasure of talking to the founder of a very interesting venture called Social Current. And um, today I'm welcoming him to introduce his uh, idea and also um, ask about how you got started and what do you do now? I know you're a student at uh, George Washington University still, and uh, I'm just really curious to hear all about your venture and also how you're combining that with your full-time student program. For sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone. My name is Ashwat, and I'm the founder and CEO of Social Current, where um, a DC-based creative agency, we do work with everyone from social impact organizations to nonprofits, purpose-driven startups. We do everything from um, TikTok to influencer marketing with a focus on really short form content. Um, we've worked with grassroots organizations to national nonprofits to Y Combinator backed startups to um, the first chief HR officer at LinkedIn and happy to kind of share more about my experiences, my journey and anything I've learned along the way. Uh, yes, it's really impressive. I love that because uh, nowadays it's not about the age, it's about how much you know. And uh, could you start off with um, how you stumbled across this idea and uh, what were your first steps uh, when you decided, okay, this is something that, you know, would be interesting and would be useful for uh, certain organizations? Yeah, I'm happy to share that. So, um, so I, I'm originally from India and when I was there, when I, I grew up there and I worked full-time at a marketing agency right after I graduated high school. And so when I decided to kind of come to the US um, in DC, I found myself in a lot of um, social impact spaces, nonprofit spaces, startup spaces. And I was doing the same thing, which was marketing, communicating with Gen Z more effectively, you know, social media. And so I really saw this need in a lot of social impact organizations around how there's, you know, they need marketing, how they need um, comm support. And that's where I decided to launch Social Current. Um, and so, you know, since then we've grown to multiple employees, number of clients, um, done every, you know, multiple projects. But I think for me, the first thing when I started was um, trying to find a client, trying to find someone who would, you know, who would pay for this. And so I did a lot of kind of interviews with people trying to figure out, you know, what their problem was and whether I could solve them. I did a lot of kind of conversations, just talking to a lot of people. Um, and then that's where I decided to kind of get my client, my first client and decided to, you know, over time scale that way. So yeah, my first step was customer discovery and talking to people. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and one of my favorite books about it is The Mom Test. Uh, you know, how to talk to your customer to really find those undercover uh, things that they necessarily not super aware or they wouldn't tell, you know, in your face. Um, but you can really gain a lot of insight. Uh, so 100%. Uh, I'm wondering, like, when you first started with your first client, what was your, uh, like, pricing strategy or, let's say, business model in the beginning? Yeah, so um, our first client, our pricing model is very whatever we can do, honestly, at that point. We still hadn't figured out. And so we, we you know, I just calculated how much time it would take me um, to do something. And then I put, like, an hourly rate, which was, like, I think, you know, one or two times uh, minimum wage, because I thought that's what I could charge. And we followed kind of that pricing strategy in the start. 
especially with that first client. And then over time, we learned how to do pricing better. Um, but it, it, you know, we just did, you know, what we thought we could. And then we negotiated down a little bit with that client, because again, it was our first client. And so um, that was our, you know, goal is like, find out how much time it'll take and make sure that, you know, we charge more than it would cost us to do or provide that service. And so that was really our strategy um, in the very beginning. And it's, still plays a major role in our strategy now is like can we make sure that we meet our own costs um first before thinking about profit all right and um and you did mention that you increased your team and uh, you have a leadership board and um part-time employees and full-time employees so how do you calculate your costs nowadays yeah so um but obviously you have more clients as well so yeah, so um, right now, you know, we we calculate costs through hours, um, software we spend on, legal support, administrative support, um, things like that. So we do have metrics around how much time it would take us to do certain things because we've done a lot of these things a lot of times. And so we're able to calculate that really quickly. Um, and so now over time, it's become more and more effective, easier for us to calculate, but it's a combination of kind of like hourly costs of employees, um, admin costs, software, um, and things of that sort um, for us. Um, and obviously, our hourly cost of employees is one of the things that's gone up over the last year. So that's a major source of our costs because we're a ser services business. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned uh, something about, um, uh, on, you know, having that first client, you had to take a very uh, personal approach. Is it still the same nowadays when you onboard a new customer? Yeah, 100%. I mean, every customer we work with, we're a partner with them. And so we still very much, you know, use that personal approach working with them one on one um, to this day. And we'll continue to do that as an agency over time as well. Um, we want to make sure our clients get, you know, the best services. And for that, for us to do that, we need to be there, um, you know, one on one with them. And so that's what we, you know, have done in the past. And that's what we'll do in the future. Uh, yes. Um, so um, I know that uh, you mentioned you've been through the entrepreneurship program at GW and, uh, you know, folks from there uh, did, did help to increase your team as well. Did you recruit there or actually did you recruit elsewhere? Because a lot yeah, of so times we've... students are also entrepreneurs and everyone had their own project. For sure, that's a good that's a good question. So we've done a combination of both. Um, we've been through the startup accelerator, and it's been really good in helping us meet partners, connections, a network. And then we also have you know a base of GW students who became our first employees, and then have also transitioned into kind of our leadership team. But on our leadership team, we also have you know someone who goes to school in Canada who I grew up with um, and we decided to bring on board for operations support. And then we also have people on our team, you know, who we just recruited outside um, through LinkedIn or through other job applications that, you know, we met were a good fit, fit into our values. And so right now our team, you know, I think there's about five or six um, of us at GW um, and then the rest are not, not GW students. Some are even not students. And so, we, we started um, in DC and not GW, but we've kind of expanded over the country. Hmm, awesome, awesome. That's a really awesome thing to hear because I think with the pandemic, people are getting together in a more unpredictable ways. And it's just amazing because 
it just makes the world smaller and easier to navigate. Um, 100%, 100%. Yeah, so when you uh, started, um, can you share certain like tools or models that you've used that helped? Like we talked about the mom test and customer discovery. What are the other things that you learned through your program that help you uh, within your journey? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, with customer discovery, I think it's very important um, to figure out, you know, who you're talking to and have an open mind. I think having that aspect um, really was helpful for me because, you know, not looking at a customer discovery call as a sales call is very important as well. Like not looking at it, you know, as a way to um, get a client. I think in the beginning, I was just trying to understand the customers and understand their pain points. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to solve a problem and you need to know if you're going to solve that problem with your solution. And so if you don't figure that out, um, you know, there's very less chances of being successful. And so I think just figuring out, you know, what that solution is to what problem, I think is very important and has been helpful um, in terms of like platforms and places. I think LinkedIn um, was very useful for customer discovery. Conferences were very useful for customer discovery, just finding and meeting businesses, business owners, thing, things of that sort. Um, and then I think kind of another thing for us that has been important when building this has been figuring out kind of our mission and vision and values, especially at the start, um, and then building around it. So like, you know, whoever you hire um, has to fit into that kind of values, those values and have to be aligned in terms of values. Whoever you work with in terms of clients has to have to be around those values. And so I think that um, just figuring out what that value, what those values are and laying them out has been very helpful for us, at least in building people around it and building, you know, clients around it. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I think I agree with that because uh, the NGO space is very specific. And even then you have to differentiate different sectors and different um industries that they work with and where the funding is coming from. So I agree that if you can start with the niche, then your messaging is so clear. Like Social exactly. Current is a great brand because it speaks to the customer. They know it's about the social stuff. There is no like too much of private uh, companies or any of that stuff. So a, in that sense, it's very good alignment as well, being in D.C., because uh, right. I remember even when I started, I, moved, I just moved to D.C. to start my uh, program at GW. And at the same time, I was able to um, get my consulting contract that was from Kazakhstan, where I worked for an NGO, and they had an office here. So that right. was a very smooth transition. And my first discovery of DC was through the nonprofit world. And then I transitioned into IT project management and still NGOs because it's an international development organizations like the World Bank and such. Um, but the, the major part of this whole infrastructure of being in the middle of all these different organizations and things happening in DC, is um, a very easy to transition and at the same time to specialize because there's just plenty of different things in DC. There's uh, contracting, government contracting, there's uh, international development, there's real estate and there's NGOs. So I love that your marketing agency is being able to stand out 
because of that branding, because obviously there's so many marketing agencies out there. Um, and um, you being from that startup scene, you said that some of your clients were startupers as well. Uh, so if you were to say like, do you still have startups that are not necessarily social oriented? Can they still be your clients like smaller companies? Yeah, so we do do some work with um, smaller startups, um, but I think one of the things we emphasize with them is bringing in some form of social impact. So whether it's, you know, a subscription service, giving away free subscriptions to a certain demographic or, you know, underrepresented population or adding in free um, versions for students and things like that. And so if we decide to not work with a social impact startup, we try to bring social impact in through our retainer and through the work we do. And you know, running campaigns on social that may be socially relevant. And so we do do work with um, smaller startups, but we make sure that we're bringing kind of that um, aspect in to the work we do. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much no, what we do. Wow, I am really impressed because not only you're offering a great solution for the organization that are already in that space, but you're also motivating others to contribute uh, and it's it's really great. It's like um, in DC, I work with the Office of Youth Empowerment, and it's a uh, um, organization that helps foster kids adapt to an adult life. And um, right. they have um, internship programs for their right. students that they pay for, uh, but you get an intern and you help them develop certain skills and um, the you teach them certain uh, things that you do in your work so as a part of my program I do uh, entrepreneurship uh, classes to starting entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who want to pivot and improve something in their business so as a part of that program I also invite the kids from the foster um, uh, care to learn for free. So it's more of a, like a scholarship based kind of uh, program, but it's basically how you can have a lot of uh, paid services, but also a fraction of it would go to either underserved population right. or like this podcast, for example, is completely for free. Um, and it does give you a glimpse of what's in the course because we talk about all this concept a lot with the right. successful entrepreneurs and it's actually a great validation to hear that yes this concepts work it's really important to talk to your customer ahead of time uh, it's 100%. really important to hire people who are aligned to your uh, vision your culture values uh, so I'm really happy to see this and uh, especially knowing that is a new generation Z that is uh, now crushing it, doing a lot of new enterprises, businesses and things. So um, my next question is like, what has shaped your entrepreneurial mindset when you came to DC? Like what has given you that impulse? Like I need, I need to start doing this. Yeah, you've been um, working for nonprofits, you know, and there's a, a definitely a clear path to to a nonprofit career. Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of what has shaped it, I think it's really the need. I, I, I think, you know, I've always wanted to 
if I've seen a problem, I wanted to come up with a solution. And I think that just translated into entrepreneurship for me. I saw this need for social impact organizations for nonprofits, and um, I knew I could help them, but I wanted to build something that, you know, could go beyond myself um, to help them as well. And so it was really that need that I saw that really shaped my entrepreneurship. Um, it was that problem I saw that really shaped my entrepreneurship journey and continues to shape it um, every day. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. Mm, awesome. And so you're about to graduate soon. And um, I'm wondering if you have some, uh, you know, bigger uh, plans or any kind of drastic different plan in terms of once I achieve this milestone, I will move to the next thing. And uh, how do you see that happening you know, being already involved with the marketing agency. Yeah, um, so really my plan after graduation is to continue building social current, um, but we are considering some kind of new initiatives on our end um, as a way to grow social current. And so, you know, once I do graduate uh, about a year from now, my goal is to hit the ground running, spend time full time on social current with my leadership team. And so, really having the time to scale up, um, I think is our focus. And so right now our focus is client retention, you know, building slowly, building over time. But I think when we do graduate, we're going to scale up much faster and that's our goal. Um, and also incorporate other offerings through software um, into the work we do. So that's pretty much our goal after we do graduate. Mm, awesome. Because I think like you're probably thinking about how you can automate some of the things and maybe build the tech around it uh, and make it more efficient, right? A hundred percent. I think we already automate a lot of the work we do um, and try to make it more efficient. And so doing more of that, building building our own software is kind of down the line when we do graduate and when we have some more time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So do you have programming skills as well? Not yes, currently. Sir. I'm actually trying to learn um, Python right now, but we've got um, some people on our team who can code. Um, but really, our my job is really to validate the market and find paying customers, because mm -hmm. if I can find paying customers, I can hire someone to do it. Um, and so that's my goal is really to kind of build that need and see if there's a need for what we do and yeah. continue to do that before um, going out and deciding to fundraise and then build software or things like that. Yeah, awesome. That's a real entrepreneurial spirit when you know how to uh, find the need. And then when the, the need is there, then you don't even have to sell that much. And then obviously, you can always find someone who will find a solution or you'll find a solution together. So that's exactly. really amazing. I love that. And uh, you mentioned the fundraising. Can you give us your story about how you approached the fundraising and uh, what you've achieved in that space? Yeah, of course. Um, so right now we, we're bootstrapped completely. We, we haven't um, raised any money. We don't plan on raising any money for social credit, at least in the next year. But we do have some um, other initiatives that we might raise money for um, in the next six months, but nothing concrete. I think our approach to fundraising has really been that we, we don't have a need for it. I think you know, we would benefit from a $100,000 client versus a $100,000, you know, just cash because um, right. we can do work for the client and then we can go, you know, get 10 more clients like them. And so our goal has really been to get as many clients, as many paying customers versus, you know, raising funds. And I think that's important, um, but it's also easy for us to do that. 
<laughs> because we're a services company and we're not we're not building a tech solution yet. Um, and so I think that's our our goal has just been to bootstrap and keep 100% of this business as long as we can. Mm, yeah, I think uh, it's a very good approach, especially since you can really have a lot of influence on your own product uh, or, you know, ventures. So then you don't have to worry about too much about how you're going to negotiate with your uh, investors, how you're going to negotiate exactly. with your partners. <laughs> so it's really more peaceful way of doing it. I agree with that. Um, and uh, I think uh, you mentioned that you've gotten your um, team grow over time and it helped because your clients were growing over time as well. Um, but uh, when you tried uh, you know, to scale your clients from one to to more significant, the ramping up. How did you approach that? Uh, how did how did you solve the problem of um, uh, getting to more clients? Because you know, at first, a lot of entrepreneurs what they do is they look through their network and they talk to anyone who would fit that profile. But at some point, the list exhausts itself, and then you have to reach out to somewhere further. So what was your action when it happened? Yeah, so for us, um, a lot of that has been referral-based. We, we got some clients, we served them, and then they referred us other clients. But we also actively do a lot of outbound. So we do LinkedIn outreach, um, cold outreach outbound. We do um, email marketing outbound. We go to workshops, we go to conferences, we go to events. Um, we do speaking opportunities. We do... Um, you know, content on LinkedIn, we, it's just, for us, it's been about, you know, doing a, a bunch of different things, and then that's all translated into clients. Um, and so, you know, um, at one point, I think, you know, you, you have to decide um, to do outbound. And I think that's been the most effective for us is like, doing LinkedIn and doing email and reaching out to companies that we don't know. Um, but, you know, selling them on it through email, I think has been good for us, at least. Um, and that might be something to consider. Um, and then for direct-to-consumer companies, um, that's where things like influencer marketing comes in, paid ads comes in. Using those tactics to reach people, I think, is what I would recommend. Yeah. And you've been doing some of it for your clients anyways, right? Like influencer marketing and uh, social yep, media that's what ads we do for our clients. And campaigns. Uh, so are there any um, uh, tips that you would share with someone who is trying digital marketing for the first time when they're doing ads on Instagram and um, on Facebook, what would you recommend their strategy be when they, you know, start on their own at first? Yeah, I would recommend, I think um, in, influencer marketing is underrated. People think, you know, it's, it's on the rise, but people don't think of it enough because they think it's expensive. Um, but it's not, it's, um, you know, working with micro influencers is very easy and can often be, you know, a better solution than ads because, you know, an influencer has a better tie-in with their audience and they already have an existing audience. And so working with them to, you know, sell their audience or, you know, create a buzz about you is much easier than running, you know, paid ads towards an audience that has no idea um, what you're doing, but also, you know, the way I've, I've seen things trending is ads are not, you know, working for people anymore. They're not working for brands unless 
who have a really established brand name. And so influencers kind of give you that credibility. And um, it's also, you know, you don't have to work with someone with 10 million followers. You could start with 10,000 and there's still an influencer with a good customer base that, you know, might not charge as much. And so that's what I would recommend is looking more into influencer marketing and even doing it yourself, trying to message people, you know, seeing if they would do it, you know, for a small fee, things like that is what I would recommend. Mm, yeah, I think it's great idea because I like that how you call, I mean, it is, it does sound a bit more complicated campaign to run because it requires time investment and coordination, but the KPIs would definitely shoot through the roof because these people already have the credibility, people trust them. And as opposed exactly. to a cold ad where we are so immune to ads these days that- Exactly. So, but- the influencer is almost like their friend on social media. They see them every day. They follow their lives. And hopefully if this, uh, you know, the influencer is very transparent with what they actually promote, then right. the trust is built. So, exactly. Uh, you know, that's another thing where in your company, when you hire influencers, do you have certain like a filter in terms of uh, how you match them? Because people get immune to the influencers as well saying this and that because they're, it's a paid ad basically. And it's a- For promo. sure, yeah. We look at kind of the type of influencer. We look at what products they've promoted in the past, how many they're doing every week. We look at you know their demographics, their engagement rate, you know, what age their audience is in, what location they're, they're at. Um, and then we also look at content. We look at, you know, what content are they creating and do we think, you know, a brand will resonate with that content. For example, we don't want to do, you know, a health um, or, you know, health oriented brand with someone who's not recommending health. So I think just looking at content is another important thing we use when evaluating um, influencers, but a lot of it is also just gut feeling. I think we're, we're able to qualitatively kind of, you know, analyze influencers. Part of it is kind of data and looking at things. Part of it is just also looking at, you know, influencer trend and seeing if there's a good fit between the influencer, the brand and the trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really awesome because you've already done so much homework and for the clients, it will be much easier to go through this program rather than trying to match the influencer themselves. But we entrepreneurs love bootstrapping. So if anyone is up for it, <laughs> as well, just you know, share the recipe on how you can do it yourself. Uh, find a micro-influencer who's aligned with your product. Um, exactly. And, and that's it. So it's, uh, you know, it's all takes work. So, and I'm just really amazed by how much work you've already put in in your venture. Um, and uh, I would like uh, for your enterprise to grow even further and really uh, hit that social impact, uh, expand the humanity to its um, finest level. And um, I wish you luck with everything. Thank you so much for your time today, Ashwat. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much.